This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So again, good morning to congregants both online and in person. Great to see all of you here today. Now, one thing I forgot to add is that if you'd like to go to the open house, which I hope you do, we're going to have signups over the next three weeks out there in the lobby. So I hope you sign up. I hope you can come. So I want to, you know, talk a bit today about us really starting to get ready for Easter. And it's interesting, right? The, the, the Bible, my, my favorite one of the four Gospels, for those you aren't aware, there's four Gospels, there's four accounts of Jesus' life. My favorite one is the Gospel of John because it's, it's called the Gospel of Love for, for very good reason. And it starts out with saying like, like about Jesus being the Word incarnate. In other words, the, the Word made flesh. God with skin on. Like, like here it is. And it's, it's so easy, I think, for us to allow ideas of God to kind of be ethereal, be up there, separated from us down here. But the Gospel of John says, no, it's actually here. It's actually embedded in life. Love that idea. Embedded in life. So that means that we can look at, at what Jesus did and that that actually can be so important to our lives. New Church, our basic premise is that we are to follow that model. That, that we're to, as best we can, and we'll never quite do it perfectly. You're going to hear me talking about things today that there's no way I can do. You know, impossible, because they deal with giving up such things as vengeance and anger. Good luck. But I think we're asked to try. And try as best we can. And that's why coming back and celebrating, isn't it interesting, we celebrate Easter every year, and I think that's because the humanity, we know we have to come back and touch this story every year. Because we're a little forgetful, at least I am. So it's this constant reminding. Now, now, don't think reminding like somebody tapping you on the shoulder and saying, remember me. That's not it. It's reminding. It's saying, how do we come back to this different mind, this different way of seeing the world? That's called the third way. And with your gracious permission, that's what I want to share with you today, a story about that third way. Now, this part of, of Easter week, it's, it's, this is the traditional time for celebrating Palm Sunday. So I'm going to step over here, I'm going to talk about Palm Sunday for a minute, and then I'm, I'm going to talk about a second part of that story that we're really going to focus on. So the story of Palm Sunday comes down, and it's traditionally, you know, this day is the day churches celebrate it. And what happens is, is Jesus comes back into the, the center of Jewish culture, the center of Roman rule, this beautiful giant city, beautiful giant city even to this day, Jerusalem. He enters back into the city. And as he's entering back into the city on a donkey, everybody has in their mind, this is an earthly king. This is a guy who's going to finally beat the you-know-what out of all the bad guys. This is the guy who's finally going to wreak vengeance against the Romans. This is going to be our earthly king. Was that the right answer, yes or no? <laughs> No, totally different game. Totally different game. But it's what they thought. You think about him coming back into that town and, and seeing these people laying down palms, 
right? Laying down palms. And a lot of church services celebrate this. They celebrate Palm Sunday with a laying down of palms. They celebrate it with people waving branches saying, Hosanna, God in the highest. But this is, this is my point about it. And I, I think it's one that I think we miss. The story goes on. And it says, only second time in the Bible, Jesus wept. Isn't that fascinating? He wept because that wasn't the point. He had lived his life thinking, I want to teach these people a new way as God has given me to see it. I want them to love them, so I want them to live into this way. And when he saw they didn't get it, it was incredibly heartbreaking to him. Now, we don't celebrate that part of it at most Palm Sunday services, but it's there. It's right in the Bible. So the story itself moves on. And the story moves to another really powerful part of the week. So, so you have Palm Sunday anchored here, and then it starts moving, and the story starts moving and going forward. And the story moves into Passover. The story moves into Passover. Now I want to take some time here to share with you that part of the story. And this, traditionally for Christians, we celebrate this coming Thursday night. So Sunday we celebrate Palm Sunday. It's right in the name. And then Thursday, Thursday we actually celebrate this, this Passover meal. So I want to sit down over here and talk about that for a second. So could anybody guess what this was? I got oyster plate, hubcap, a Seder plate. Give her a round of applause, folks. She got it. A Seder plate. So I love, I, I love going to auctions, as, as many of you know. You know, on Mondays are my day off. It's, it's a completely geeky day to have off, and it's great going out. You know, we have a little cabin on Lancaster. I go out there, I go to auctions, and they're a ton of fun. And I love going to Mennonite auctions. I heard this great description of Mennonites. We're going to be looking at a wonderful Mennonite author in a couple of weeks here, and I was reading her book. And she said, this is what I love about Mennonites. They're dedicated to simplicity, pacifism, and ruining jello with lunch meat. <laughs> you gotta love that, right? You gotta love that. You gotta love that. So, so, I, so I'm at this, at this auction out in Mennonite country, and I see this. Now, this is from Judaism. So what are the odds anybody there, except for a pastor, knows what it is? So the guy gets up, and he's got this thing auctioned. He's like, and here we have... Uh, a, a brass tray. And you know, I'm trying to wait to bed because you don't want to be too anxious. You know, I'm trying to be like Joe Cole, just waiting, waiting, waiting. You know, but I knew what it was. I was super excited. So this is how, for those, for those brothers and sisters in the audience, they could tell you more about it than I can. This is how the tradition is of celebrating the Passover, the Seder meal. Seven different places here where food goes in the middle goes on leavened bread. That's why we're going to be celebrating the Holy Supper here. It was fascinating talking to my brother-in-law about it. My brother-in-law is Jewish, one of the best guys I know. Uh, my sister's Jewish. And, and he said, and I said, what does this mean to you? He was so quick on it. He was so quick on it. Listen to these words, folks. Like, these shouldn't give you chills. He said, every year it reminds me that we were slaves once, and God freed us. There are people slaves today. Let's remember to free them. Yeah, let's almost drop the mic, right? Let's just sing the song and I'll go home after thinking about that. 
That's incredible. And he said it so fast. It chills even how quickly he's, he knows this to his heart. Do you see why Jesus wanted to celebrate Passover with these folks? Does that make sense now? It wasn't just like, guys, I got an idea. KFC, picnic, we're good. It's like, like no, he says, I, I want to I celebrate this with you. And the symbolism is just incredibly beautiful. You know, I asked my brother-in-law what's the most beautiful part for him, and he said, oh, it's the first part. And he said, what you do is you take parsley, uh, you know, if you read online, some people use lettuce, and you dip it in salt water. That idea that God is always having something grow. And guess what's present all the time? Begins with T, ends with ears. Tears. Does that sound like life? You know, something always growing, but, but hard parts too. Like there's even a certain part on this that says bitter herbs. You know, that's part of the, the celebration of this. It's just understanding life has these challenges. As we say in here, because it's part of communion. Blessed, broken, shared. That's what Jesus does with this whole communion meal. Blessed, broken, shared. Now, I'd like to share with you, I'd like to actually read the story to you so that, so that you can understand the, the part that I think is just incredibly beautiful, incredibly significant. And Jesus said, when a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees, he sees the one who sent me. In other words, you see me, you see God, you see what God's up to. I want to like think about that. People struggle with the divinity of Christ. That doesn't trip me up a lot, just so you know. Because I, I, I think what, what Christ is asking of us is, is folks, I, I've said this a bunch of times, but I, but I think it's important every Easter to repeat it. Jesus not one time says, worship me. Not one time. You know what two words he uses all the time? Somebody said it. Follow me. Wow. Follow me. So that's where this is coming from. I've come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. And then the Passover feast takes place, blessed, broken, shared. And then this is one of the most powerful stories, I think, in all of the Bible. Jesus knew that his time had come. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. In other words, he loved them to the end is another way of translating that. And I'm going to come back to that line here in a minute. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Judas. That's where we get the saying. Judas had betrayed him with a kiss. For those of you who hear that idiom phrase, like, like betrayed with a kiss, that's a reference back to Judas, one of the 12 disciples who for 30 bucks, uh, turns Jesus in to be executed. Jesus knew that he put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Now here's where the story gets just so touching. So he got up from the meal, from the Passover meal, from the Passover meal. And again, think, folks, the Passover meal. We were once slaves. We are now free. Others are enslaved. Free them, too. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he began pouring water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. Now, we can go through that part real quickly, right? That's what a, what a servant did. That's the way it gets preached on a lot. Like here, that's what servants do. Servants wash people's feet. 
Now, remember, at that time, it was a dirty job because there was livestock all over the place. Did people have really smelly feet? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I grew up in a farm. Yes, smelly feet. But not only that, not only that, this is a part I want to preach on every year because I think it's so important. He washed all their feet. So who did that include? Judas. Just imagine that, like saying, look, here are these 12 people. You're you're like brothers to me. You followed me through life. You're like sisters to me. If if it was in modern day language, you followed through my life. You've, You've given me this life. One of you is going to betray me, is going to turn me in. It's this guy. He's the one who's going to do it. And then he washes his feet. And the word, John 1, was made flesh. The word was made incarnate and dwelt among us. That idea of the word made flesh and that simple act, I think, is incredibly profound. You don't catch it on the first time through the story, but but let that ring true. When he finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes, returned his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done. Follow. I teach you the truth. No servant is greater than his master, nor is the messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. That's beautiful stuff. I'm going to step back over here. The power of that imagery, the power of being able to capture that is incredible. This is what he's trying to show, folks. Take a look at this line. Having loved them, his dear companions, he continued to love them right to the end. And I I think this end is, yeah, you could look at his end of his earthly life, but it's right to the end. It's, It's the way we might say, look to our kids See if he can complete this statement for those of us who read little books to kids. I love you to the moon and back. I love you to the moon and back. That's what he's saying. Not exactly a guy thing to share, but, but there he is sharing. Like, I love you to the moon and back. I'm going to love you to the very end. The end of what all that I can. And what he's trying to do, and we talked about this last week, and I said he'd come back, I'd come back to it. He's looking at this next slide, at a typical triangle that we have in our life. Very, very typically in our lives, we divide the world into hero, victim, and villain. Hero, victim, and villain. I do that all the time. Matter of fact, we were in sermon writing team on Sunday. We were talking about this again. I mentioned, as I did last week, hero and victim. When you put those two together, you end up with a martyr if you take the hero and the victim role. And, and I was complaining about something. One of the people on sermon writing team went, Chuck, you're being a martyr. Amen. We do that constantly. Folks, who should have been the villain in this story? Judas, right? Not the way he gets treated, though. I mean, fascinating. It, it, it's, it's constantly taking this and it's saying, Look, actually, what you folks need to do is you need to park that. You need to get rid of it. That is your work to get rid of that. 
And, and there's nothing easy in doing that. It's incredibly hard. Because what he's saying is, is here's Jesus literally living into, and he's saying, okay, you have to get rid of that. I'm going to show you how. And it's just based on this simple idea. Today I am. Today I am. Today I am. As the band comes out, I want you to hear how he would respond to that. He says, because today I am a servant. Today I am a servant. As the band comes out for the second song, I want you to, or third song, I want you to come out, I want you to think a little bit about how that works. Like, how does that work in your life? What would it look like, for example, to take that place where you have, have these cherished roles assigning other people, hero, victim, villain, if you were to take that and actually start to push it aside? And to say, yeah, I get it. Today, I'm no just going to be this. Today, just for today, I'm going to be a servant. Folks, you know, when, when we think about it, right? Like, that washing the feet, I'm yours, you are mine, the oneness we talked about, the, I mean, it just, it just should leave you with chills. Right, and, and, and the washing feet, like, that's incredible. And here's, here, again, as the song said, you know, in the presence of my Savior, like, and, you know, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm sitting backstage and listening to that beautiful song, and I'm, I'm thinking, how many times did these disciples for years, for decades after, come back to wherever they were living or staying after a long day? Just take off their sandals, rub their feet for a second, and be like, ah, <laughs> thanks for the reminder. Just that being the memory. Like, that's their last physical memory of Jesus. Their last physical memory of Jesus is that. And that is incredibly powerful at so many levels. I want to share with you a line, and, and here's a line, actually, if you have your phones, I would tell you to take a picture of it, because it's really good, and it's one of those lines that's so good, I can't even quite describe it, I just really like it. It's this line, healing is touching with love what was touched with fear. That's really good. Healing is touching with love what was touched with fear. Beautiful concept there, that you know, this is, this is Jesus trying to say, no, your job is to, is, is to, is to touch with love. Like, that's what it was about. We're meeting with some people at the beginning of, of the church service, some of our wonderful volunteers, and we're talking about how the Bible kind of has this arc where the first half, the Old Testament, is a lot about law and order, that kind of thing. And the second half moves into love. New church, we say, yep, that's what they're both supposed to be, that we have to learn the scales, you know, to play an instrument, and then we can improv. But the point of the law is always love. The point of all these things is always love. The point of what we do, why we wake up, why, we, why, we, why we're out to become the people that God seeks for us to become is so that, so that we learn what love is out there in the world. 
again, it's, it's, it's not, and I say this all the time, please don't confuse that with, with like unicorns and puppies. <laughs> Nothing wrong with unicorns and puppies, but we all know unicorns aren't real, right? You, you know, it's, 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 it's not that. It's, it's, it's a much deeper agape, agape Greek for self-sacrifice. It's, it's, it's a love much, clo- much more closely attuned to, to self-sacrifice. What are we willing to give up our lives for? See, that's, that's why church can never be a consumer activity. It can never be something we just agree to do together because we like it. It's got to be something we do together because it calls us to something. See, again and again, there's the event and the story, and here's Jesus going, yeah, it's, it's not just the event, there's a bigger story here. It's true when you look at Palm Sunday, the event, but he said, yeah, there's a bigger story, and you missed it. And then to the disciples, he's like, there's a bigger story. I'm going to make sure you get it. Take your shoes off. That profound and that deeply meaningful. What we're trying to get to, I think, what God is trying to, 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 to pull out of us is, is a new will, a new personhood, a new way of seeing the world. Behold, I make all things new. What is that new will? Where our private salvation project, with all its labels of hero, victim, villain, finally breaks where God puts simple kindness to others and religious truth to work. Where our true inner self shines, a place solely made up of good impulses and true concepts flowing through us from God. Where God's freedom is at work. And where we come to know love literally right to the end. When we can do that, we, we shift, I think, from living our lives just reactively. Like, I always react immediately into, into hero, victim, villain. I mean, how many of us do that with a TV show? Like, the first thing we want to figure out is who the bad guy is. Right? We're, we're just programmed that way. And I feel we're being asked here to be more reflective, to think more deeply, and to understand that there is this, that there is a hope for reconnecting. It, it, it is such a challenging time we live in because I, I just, I, I struggle with, with I, I struggle with feeling like we have all these ways that we connect with social media and everything, but it's, but it's all, as the author said, noise and fury signifying nothing. Does it, I, I hope I'm not overstating that. If I am, I'm sorry. No one's ever come up to me and been like, Chuck, I just need to tell you, I had a life-changing Twitter conversation. Facebook today, my life was one way before it and totally different after it. Said no one ever to me. Now, that's not to say those things are bad. We leverage them all the time here at New Church Live because they're, they're tools. But, but how do we, again, allow that new will, like, like the real... It's, it's work. It's, it's how do we, how do we do that work? How do we look forward as a congregation to do that? To, 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 to gather together to say, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna make some choices. We're gonna make some sacrificial choices. It goes back to the Passover. It goes back to washing feet. We're gonna make some sacrificial choices in our own lives and in our communities and in Philadelphia because it matters. Because we're gonna try to do that as best we can. If churches have a future, 
I think that has to be it. If Christianity has a future, I think we have to go back to those roots of that. Of that simple dedication to serving. And that idea that when we do it, we do it together. And that idea that we do it, we do it together. So you ready for communion? Yes. So what we're going to do now is we're now going to take communion, part of our church. Now, in the new church, fancy, can I show off my theological knowledge to you folks? We practice something called the open table. Now, there's some churches practice open table. Some churches practice what is called closed table. Can you guess which one we do? Open table. What that means, any of you are invited to come up and take communion. And what it is, it it's, it's, goes back to this beautiful part of the story where Jesus breaks the bread, blesses it, and then shares it. The bread, by the way, would go right in the middle of that plate. And the bread is unleavened because it goes back to this story way back in the Old Testament where the Jews were finally like escaping out of slavery, literally like they are bolting out of the door. And they don't have time to put leaven in the bread to let the bread rise. So that's why it's done with unleavened bread, that celebration of like, yeah, it's time to leave slavery. This reminder of that. And then he also offers wine. And that idea of like, that is the blood of the covenant. That is, that is like God with us. From a new church perspective, we see that as God's love and God's wisdom, that we're going to put that into our lives as best we can. So what we're going to do now is we're going to close this service with communion. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 